What up, y'all? It's me smacking on some pizza an hour late. I know. Man, I've been tired. And you know what? I was looking forward to doing this Michael Jackson thing last night, but it was a gang of bad weather. And I, you know, bad weather, you shit. I wanted to lay up, watch shows and stuff. I don't feel like being on podcast all night. But anyway, welcome to the Tommy Cole Show. This is quite fun, actually. I'm very excited to do this Michael Jackson thing. All of the Michael Jackson things I'm showing are from one particular website. So I just want to give thanks and shout out. It's not showing my watch laters. Why is that? What is going on? I have saved a gang of Michael Jackson stuff. Hold up. It's all coming from this one um, channel. But I got to find that information now. That is really weird. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, I have found all these Michael Jackson things. Now I can find it. I have saved them too. Let me go back. Let me see them. That's just crazy. Here we go. I saved them under watch later, but for some reason, anyways, how was y'all evening? That's just crazy. Here we go. Here we go. All the Michael Jackson stuff I saved. I wanted to share them with you guys. It's all coming from this channel called The Detail. So I hope you're ready. I'm going to be playing a gang of Michael Jackson stuff. I mean, a gang of Michael Jackson stuff. A gang of Michael Jackson stuff. Yeah. I actually watched all this stuff first. So it'll be interesting to watch it again. Let's see how much I'm going to play. Let me see. I got to dive in somewhere. I saved so much stuff. Hmm. So much Michael Jackson stuff. Oh, my God. Let me just dive in because I'll be scrolling forever. Well, let's see. Let's just start. Let's just start, man. I'm, nobody's on here anyways. Nobody's on here anyways. Nobody's on here anyways. Let's just start here. Let's just start. Um, 
All right, somebody's on. Yay. Well, it'll be me and you, just me and you. <laughs> oh, snap. Here we go. So this is all courtesy of the detail. Please check out the detail. They have done so much Michael Jackson stuff. The detail. Let's check them out. So let's get into it, y'all. We getting into it. We getting into it. I'm so excited. I can't take it. I hope you have your popcorn and your chips and your drink or whatever you're doing. Oh, God. Somebody would call me right when I'm starting my pop. Who would call me right when I'm starting my pop? Let me guess. It was the first time Michael had sat for a portrait. Japanese tycoon Hiro Saiki wanted to buy it, and they said, give us two million bucks. We're surprised. He came back and he says, well... Yeah, I, I, of course I wanted it. So we sold it. We said, okay, it's yours. The painting was the result of a partnership between Jackson and Strong. Brett says Michael admired his sculptures, which include this statue of John Lennon. And now he has a new, somewhat racier portrait of Michael. Strong says Jackson posed for it at his Neverland ranch. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to express my gratitude to those responsible for the American Cinema Awards. I thank David Guest, you're just fantastic. Thank you so much. One man who wasn't up for a Grammy this year was Michael Jackson, but he did put in an appearance anyway on Tuesday morning when his record company threw a breakfast press conference for him to announce that he has now sold more than 110 million records. The largest selling album in the history of recorded music. The two largest selling albums of the 1980s. The only album ever to produce five number one singles. I'm sure it won't surprise you that I'm going to make this one short again, but I'll have to say, however, that no album sells itself. It's up to the people out there to buy it. But I especially want to thank everyone, everywhere, who helped make this award what it is. First a possibility, and now a reality. Welcome, Michael Jackson here. Been uh, main artist of the decade, and uh, he has a tremendous following. He does good works, what we call the points of light concept. And I just wanted to uh, bring him out here and officially welcome him, welcome him to the White House once again. I'm glad you're here, sir. Very pleased you're here. Hold up, hold up, hold up. All rights reserved. All rights reserved. Ah! 
Shout out to all my loyalists who are hanging out with me from London, from England, from Manchester, from Israel, from Egypt, Germany. Shout out to my folks in India, my folks in LA, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Chicago, watching me tonight, Texas. This uh, video, these videos are for entertainment and educational purposes only. We're going to analyze and talk about Mike Al Jackson for hours and hours and hours, man, hours, man. So uh, you, on a night shift, if you're working late, fantastic. If you were loving some Michael Jackson, this night is for you. His birthday was August 29th, but I know he didn't celebrate birthdays per se, you know, um, not because he was still Jehovah's Witness. I know he had took the Shahada, actually. They say he took the Shahada. He was Mikael. So copyright disclaimer under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, scholarship, and research. Fair use is use permitted by copyright statutes that might otherwise be infringing nonprofit educational personal use tips the balance in favor of fair use. Thank you very much. Let's get back to the show. What up there, y'all? How y'all doing tonight? Make sure you click like, y'all. Click like, 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 at the historic meeting of showbiz and big biz, music's magic man and the Midas mogul ran the media gauntlet to open the world's glitziest casino. That fan hysteria reminded me of 1963 when I covered the Beatles' arrival in America. Now look, see Donald Trump is hanging out with Michael Jackson. They always trying to make Donald Trump look like he's this one type of dude, but Michael Jackson was hanging out with all the black celebrities, like all of them. Donald Trump gave Michael Jackson a personal tour of his $1.2 billion extravaganza. And we were there every step of the way. If the Taj Mahal Casino is the eighth wonder of the world, on that day it seemed the beloved glove one ranked ninth. 75,000 fans nearly swept away supermodel Al McPherson. But they didn't stop the casino take topping $2 million for the day. Michael at the Taj Mahal. He's my friend. He's a tremendous talent, and uh, it's really my honor. It's uh, it's a big day for me. Hilarious. I hope they bring that up in his election next year, his uh, campaign. <laughs> Ryan White's life ended Sunday morning after a five-and-a-half-year battle with AIDS. Jackson heard about Ryan the same way everyone else did, through TV and newspapers. Michael wanted to get there in time to see Ryan but we did not think he would live past midnight, so therefore we didn't think, think Michael could get there in time. But it ended up Ryan lived till 7 in the morning, and Michael could have made it, and Michael really felt bad because he did not attempt and try to get there. Damn, do y'all remember Ryan White? Anybody who's over 40, Ryan White was the white kid who had AIDS and um, Michael Jackson used to go visit with him. And he was supposed to try to go visit, but he went partying with uh, Donald Trump instead. 
and the kid died that night, so he's feeling all guilty. I think I'm sure they're at the house. Don't let them They must be at the house. Good enough, okay? I think most people don't realize that he just didn't help Brian White. He helped so many other kids, too. And that's a quality of Michael, I think, that very few people know about because Michael doesn't seek out the publicity. Sad news this week with the death of a teenager whose fight with AIDS touched many rock stars and the rest of America. Ryan White died this week, five years after contracting AIDS from a transfusion. And friends like Elton John and Michael Jackson helped support Ryan in his own campaign to promote public awareness of the disease. AIDS victim Ryan White was remembered during funeral services this afternoon at Second Presbyterian Church on North Meridian Street. The mourners gathered, including a host of celebrities like Elton John, Bill Donahue, Michael Jackson, and First Lady Barbara Bush. It was Ryan who first humanitized the disease called AIDS. He allowed us to see the boy who just wanted more than anything else to be like other children. He healed a wounded spirit in a world and made it whole. Dang, Michael straight roll for that kid. I remember all of that. Anybody remember all of that? I remember that. It happened to the best of my knowledge. It happened last evening when he was rehearsing at his home and he get, uh, maybe passed, had some kind of little pass out. And when he woke up, he called, uh, called his physician and he took him to the hospital. The rock star was admitted last night after complaining of chest pains. The hospital kept a tight lid on Jackson's exact ailment, saying that he was in stable condition after a night of tests. Those tests include cardiac analysis, but the hospital ruled out a heart attack. There's no word on when Jackson will be released from the hospital. His physician, Dr. Stephen Hoplin, states that he will be undergoing several diagnostic tests today. He was admitted to St. John's to our emergency department last night at approximately 9 p.m. complaining of chest discomfort. Fans gathered outside St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica, California have been loyal but have learned little about his condition. Not a lot, just he's undergoing tests and they don't know what's wrong. So it's really worrisome to not know anything. We just don't know what to think. One fan was arrested after going too far. A two-year-old who uses the name Billy Jean Jackson was arrested for violating a restraining order mandating that she stay 500 feet away from the pop star. The 31-year-old singer-songwriter has been hard at work on his new album called Decade, and according to spokesman Bob Jones, Jackson was particularly distraught over the recent deaths of both his maternal grandmother and entertainer Sammy Davis Jr. The pressure from the album, the pressure on impending engagements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of pressures on it. If Michael Jackson hits called Decade may be put on hold. Sources inside the Jackson camp say the pop star has recorded so much new material that a studio album of new songs may be released instead. 
a spokesman for Jackson's record label, will only say that something with Jackson's name on it will be released before the end of the year. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker video game, only on the Genesis system by Sega. Now he has teamed up with a leading video game company to devise the ultimate video game experience. And its star is Michael Jackson himself. Michael Jackson moves from music stuff. videos to both home and arcade videos with the introduction of the Sega video game Moonwalker. Jackson worked closely with Sega's Al Nilsson and was instrumental in the game's development. Michael would go back and play the game and then call us up or uh, talk to us and say, here are things that should be included. Here's things that should be changed. That's crazy. He was ahead of his time. retailers the shelves are loaded with these babies but back to school shopping parents are shying away from purchase because according to one shoe industry czar they make kids wearing them look like junior hell's angels Primetime cartoon terror is now on the rise, however, with none other than Michael Jackson giving him a boost. Jackson has written a song titled, Do the Bart, Man, and he wants to record it as a duet with Bart. Simpsons creators have given the okay, and it should be in record stores by Christmas. But if it's a week or so late, don't have a cow. Oh my God, I remember that. I remember that. I totally remember this. Sources inside the Jackson camp say the pop star has recorded so much new material that a studio album of new songs may be released instead. Oh my god, they're so good. Oh, hold on, they're on commercial. Oh, no. All right, back to it. This week in Today newspaper, Michael Jackson's sister, Latoya. Find out what life was really like behind the scenes with my glamorous family and read the book they didn't want me to write. I don't hold anything back. Garrett Glazer in today's Inside Story, there was continuing turmoil that pushed family members to the edge. Not only me, a lot of my brothers and sisters have tried to commit suicide. 
one of nine children. She will not reveal any names, but this extraordinary suicide claim came during a long and emotional interview with LaToya Jackson about her controversial new book, Growing Up in the Jackson Family. In an obvious and stark contrast to 2300 Jackson Street, LaToya Jackson describes her entire family as dysfunctional. She says she hopes her brothers and sisters will come forward now to support her version of growing up in the Jackson family. Let me just say, LaToya was a hot-ass mess. I can't believe LaToya. She just totally... Of course, she said that the husband made her do it, so whatever, but she was trifling. Well, we started working together, and uh, I didn't have a date for the Academy Awards. And uh, and Michael was like, well, who are you going to go with? And I said, I looked at him, I said, I don't know, you want to go? <laughs> and he said, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> and from Los Angeles, California, at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, it's the annual Academy Awards. On Hollywood's hottest night, Michael Jackson stunned 76 million TV viewers by taking a very special date to the 1991 Academy Awards, Madonna. Viewers at home wondered how two of the most outrageous personalities in pop hooked up. As you're driving in the limo and all that traffic, what do you talk about with Michael Jackson? What do we talk about? Um, well, first I beg him not to wear sunglasses. <laughs> Exchange powder puffs. <laughs> <laughs> so you both look wonderful. We both powder our noses and uh, and uh, we compare bank accounts. I don't know. <laughs> Jackson's personal biographer, J. Randy Taravarelli, unleashing the magic, the madness, the whole story, answering questions about everything. Oh, my goodness. How many of you guys are out there right now? Give me a shout out. Yay. Make sure you click like, 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 like. Tell a friend. Join the club. Join in. Thank you for watching. I hope you guys click like. Let's keep moving with this show. Inside of every man, woman, and child, it's a place where I feel that you can return to your childhood. Uh, you find grown-ups, you know, doing things they hadn't done since they were like 10 years old. Neverland is me, you know. It's It, it represents the totality of who I am. It really does. I love Neverland. Mac and I would go on vacation together, and uh, Mac is very smart, and, and he's very ingenious in, in causing trouble. But is he, it's his idea. Yes. I'm not getting And we were in Bermuda together, and uh, we were signing water balloons. He, he had me signing water balloons, and he was throwing these balloons at the fans on the balcony. They loved it. They wanted more. They were asking for more. But Max throwing it. So I was signing these balloons, and he kept throwing them. This balloon is autographed. I'm signing them. He's throwing them, and that's what we did. Oh my 
I'm ready, Hammer. Michael, what are you doing? I'm here to accept your challenge. <laughs> you kind of caught me in the middle of doing something here, Mike, you know? Saturday Night Live. I'm ready right now. Damn. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's no threat to us. What do you reckon, Mike? <laughs> I can't write a song. I'm only 10. Only 10? When I was your age, I had six gold records. Hey, Looney Tunes, this is what Michael Jackson looks like. You look like a big, fat mental patient. You'd be amazed how often I hear that. It was actually wonderful. There were um, only about 160, 180 people. And it was very intimate, it was very family-oriented. And the, it was difficult to hear all the vows because of the helicopter. As Michael walks from his red trailer to his camera position, he's really charged with a kind of contained but tense anticipation for what he's about to do. Ready all around, watch the cues, and play back. It's an all-out song and dance video spectacular in 10 or 11 minutes that's taken more than 14 weeks to complete from rehearsal hall beginnings to big budget location shooting finish. From the looks of it, it could be one of the most expensive music videos ever made. Although no one's really saying exactly how much this new Michael Jackson video is costing. We want more worms. <laughs> more worms. Can you grab your nuts some more? <laughs> See, no, I mean, oh, he's keeping dirty. You know, uh, I don't do dirty. You know. Can he grab his nuts some more? Okay. Now, Michael did grab his balls. He he did grab his nuts a lot back in the 80s. Does anybody remember that? The early 90s? The dudes just in general seemed to grab their nuts a lot. Do you anybody remember Michael Jackson just seeming like he was gyrating and grabbing his balls and nuts all the time? Eddie Murphy, too. Eddie Murphy. It was like brothers in general. Like, even brothers just walking down the street seemed to grab their nuts a lot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Am I sounding silly? I remember that. Make sure you click like, guys. Make sure you click like. Thank you so much for joining the fun. Let's just keep watching. I'm going to play a whole bunch of Michael Jackson shit. Like I'm about to show when Quincy Jones and him was beefing, when him and Jermaine Jackson was challenging. I'm playing when Latoya started selling out her whole family. I'm, start, I'm, I'm just playing everything. Janet, all that shit. Right now we're doing the 90s Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson's decade in review. But we're doing all that shit. So if you up to stay up all night and, and watch this shit with me, we popping. All rights reserved. Copyright Act 1976 this is for educational and entertainment purposes. Hope you're having a great night. I just had some pizza, okay, and some uh, uh, Hawaiian punch, so I'm chilling. All right, let me press play back on this. You know what I mean? 
He means he, 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 he wormy, right? No. He doesn't mean wormy. No, he means it's an expression. This is the behind the scenes on black and white. What's that dude telling him to grab his nuts more for? Was he trying to be funny or what? What was that? Okay. I know exactly. He knows what you mean. Side note, wasn't Michael pretty? God damn, he was pretty. Excuse me, was I doing? It's all in the mind. Yes. How would you how would you describe the way Michael has changed over those years? Well, how would Michael has changed? Um, he's taken a lot more control of his own life. And it's pretty clear to me that Mike makes his own decisions now. And uh, how has he changed? He has a lot more pressure on him. I know that. There's a lot more jealousy. On the eve of his long-awaited new video, a song of betrayal from his own brother, Jermaine. This was supposed to be Michael Jackson's month the premiere of his most expensive video ever. But now he's been sabotaged by his big brother. Once you were made, you changed your shape. Was Radio. Who remembers this? I remember Jermaine was tripping. Y'all remember Jermaine was tripping? He was so jealous because his career... I love me some Jermaine too, though. Jermaine was the bomb in the 80s, but he started being tripping on his brother and stuff. Stations are playing it every hour, back to back with Michael's new single, Black and White. Bitter Jermaine, second banana in the old Jackson 5. Yeah. He criticizes Michael for everything. No, she didn't call him second banana. That's cold right there. That's fucked up. From lightening his skin to being plain weird. With Michael's new billion dollar deal on the line, it could be his most costly embarrassment yet. And with brothers like Jermaine, who needs LaToya? I've been looking for a product like this. Damn, they all was popping their little ugly, jealous ass heads up. Jermaine and LaToya were the main two. Tito didn't really say much. Marlon never said nothing. Jackie never really talked shit. Janet, even though she blew up, she didn't talk shit about her brother. She just, she was competition. I heard Michael, we're going to watch that one too. Michael was kind of, you know, in competition with Janet quite often. But, and initially Janet just wanted to make a name for herself. You know what I mean? But when Michael became very successful, Jermaine was very hurt by it, and he didn't like it. Michael's my brother, but I, I, I was angry. We're, uh, we're creative people. I couldn't get to him, so I put it in a song. You know, my frustrations, I put it into words. An MTV world premiere, November 14th. Monday night on the Nine Network, you'll get to see the new clip in full black or white. And uh, Michael's new album out next Friday. Dangerous. If you're sitting down, get up. It's time for the MTV world premiere of Michael Jackson's Black or White. Featured in the video are Macaulay Culkin, Bart Simpson, and the guitar works provided by Slash from Guns N' Roses. So get on up. Here it is, the world premiere of Michael Jackson, Black or White. <laughs> No, I can't play this. I already know I can't play this, so I'm not going to. Okay, here we go. New Michael Jackson video. Yes. 
pop world has waited for for four years. New Michael Jackson video is an event in itself. Michael Jackson, I told Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Says that it made a mistake in broadcasting the 11-minute black or white video last night. The international broadcast premiere of Black or White was immediately followed by uproar and condemnation. We played the short film for Elaine Blythe, president of the Film Advisory Board. And all these kids in this film and the kids watching, look at the troopers, I can't believe this. Jackson says he was only trying to interpret the animalistic instincts of the panther into a dance. In a statement released within the hour, Michael Jackson said, quote, it upsets me to think that black or white could influence any child or adult to destructive behavior, Jackson said, either sexual or violent. I deeply regret any pain or hurt. The final segment what he of was black and white has caused children, their parents, or any other people. He knew what he was doing. Some Jackson critics are saying this whole incident is a publicity stunt. I mean, two days ago, he was out with longtime friend. He did grab his nuts about 15 times in that video. I don't know if y'all remember that. Do y'all remember Black? When last time you watched Black or White? That nigga was grabbing his nuts so much and he zipped his pants. It was like he was jacking off walking down the street or something, breaking shit. Then at the end, it was like a big ass panther came out. Y'all remember that? I remember that. So yeah, he did edit it down. I remember they took Bart out of it and they took um, the panther out and all that KKK and all that shit. They had to whittle it down quite a bit. I remember that. I remember that. Brooke Shields. This morning, Shields defended Jackson, saying he did not plan it. He doesn't ever predetermine his the way he's going to try to get something across, and it was with malice. Michael Jackson. Dangerous. Brilliant new album. Dangerous. From Michael Jackson. Dangerous. 76 minutes of great music. Who's Michael Jackson's new album, Dangerous, arrived in record stores this week? What to expect? I'm just gonna buy it and see. Have to go be different. Oh, I always buy my good. Whatever he comes out with, I'll buy it. Yeah, I think uh, the people are feeling it. The recession a little more. We can only hope that this will, you know, kick the industry in the butt a little and you know get sales really strong again. Hey, look me in the face and tell me if you think I'm black or white. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me. Am I black or white? You're under arrest. What? So I guess I am black. Sure that it's safe for Mike. I was burned because of this. You shoot with Michael, plenty of unexpected things happen, like a visit from his affectionate chimps during rehearsals, <laughs> and the arrival of a very large statue honoring Michael's video music achievements. We've made you this statue to show our appreciation for all you've done for music and MTV. And here it is, and it's rather large. Thank you very much. He has landed. <laughs> 
George Michael, Aerosmith, Madonna, R.E.M., and the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Every year, MTV salutes one artist with their most prestigious award, the Video Vanguard, and it's in recognition of their outstanding contribution to the medium. This year, the award has been renamed the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard. And it's still that to this day. Do y'all remember when Beyonce won this award? It's still called that. I never asked you to name an award after me, did I? Michael who? In honor of Michael's decade of achievement. The king of pop, Michael Jackson, with his friend Slash. Anyways, how y'all doing tonight? Whoop, whoop, whoop. We cracking, it's cracking. Thank you, courtesy of the detail uh, channel. They have put all these wonderful Michael Jackson videos together. I just wanted to play them because I love this Michael Jackson. All right. Although he may not be dead, we're gonna check that video out too. camera so give it your best Because Iman didn't move from the bird. <laughs> but it's two ways to react in a situation like that. You can run or be real still. And she's just being real still. But she's as horrified as I am. All right, so uh, this is not the most interesting one. There are some way more interesting Michael Jackson hookups that I'm about to check out. Uh, this was cool, but um, I had actually prepared some actual ones that we could watch. So let me go on and get to those that are as interesting. But, uh, you know, this is more interesting. So let me let me get to the ones that I had set up to watch. Like the ones with him and his siblings, all that. What? That? Just be patient with me, though. How y'all doing tonight? Make sure you click like. Click like, click like, click like. Make sure you, you click like. Click like, click like, click like. If you'd like to donate. Feel free to donate. Let's try this one. Haunting final words. This one was, ooh, my God. This is deep. Dr. Carl. Let's check this out. Now the last thing. All right. So thank y'all for hanging out with me tonight. Make sure you click like. Click like. Click. Maybe share this. That would be kind of cool. Check these out. I picked some pretty cool ones. Check that was a shock to the entire world. Why not? When Michael Jackson passed away on June 25th, 2009, at the age of 50, 
His sudden death was a shock to the entire world. Hell yeah. Shrouded in mystery, many fans were left wondering what events led up to his final demise. Even intimate details, like what the global superstar's very last words were. However, it's important to first understand the King of Pop's life in the weeks and months before his tragic passing. During March of that year, in a high-profile press conference, Jackson thrilled fans by announcing his This Is It concert residency at London's O2 Arena. Although the career comeback wasn't solely due to the superstar's desire to perform again, with mounting debt, This Is It was designed to show the public who had been bombarded with sensationalized tabloid wacko-jacko headlines for decades now that Jackson still had what it takes as an entertainer and its proceeds would help the pop superstar get on top of his spiraling finances. Michael Jackson had written new songs and was rehearsing multiple hours a day in preparation for the concert series. But as the production team prepped for the shows, Jackson's already erratic behavior worsened as opening night approached. Emotionally frail and physically thin, Jackson was described by his makeup artist Karen Fay as, quote, very upbeat, but he was on the thin side. Faye said of an earlier April 2009 meeting with Jackson. Come June, everything had changed. Quote, he was not the man I knew, Faye recounted. Quote, he was acting like a person I didn't recognize. During a mid-June rehearsal, Jackson appeared very stoic, but frightened, according to Faye. Quote, he kept repeating, why can't I choose? It was one of the things he repeated over and over again, Faye said, adding that she, quote, had never seen him so emaciated. What exactly happened to the pop superstar between the months of April and June to cause such a notable change in his appearance and overall well-being? In May 2009, AEG Live hired Dr. Conrad Murray via Jackson to be the singer's exclusive personal physician for the tour, though AEG would later claim there was never a contract with Murray. What exactly was Murray's job? To ensure to the best of his ability that the performer was in tour-ready shape. By the time Jackson began rehearsing for the 50 concert dates, he was already being treated for chronic pain for decades. Some injuries included head burns that the singer suffered Wait a minute, wait a minute. So they said he was cool in April. When did they say Conrad Murray came around? Hold up, let's rewind. When did Conrad Murray start coming around? For the 50 concert dates, he was already being treated for chronic pain for decades. Oh. Some in position for the tour, though a overall well-being. In May 2009, AEG Live hired Dr. Conrad Murray via Jackson to be the singer's- Hold up. So Conrad Murray had only been with Michael Jackson a month before he died? He was cool in April, then come June, he wasn't. So clearly this doctor did something that clearly he was killing Michael, clearly. Wow. And then AEG going to punk out and say they didn't even hire the motherfucker. In June, to cause such a notable change in his appearance and overall well-being. Check this out. In May 2009, AEG Live hired Dr. Conrad Murray via Jackson to be the singer's exclusive personal physician for the tour, though AEG would later claim there was never a contract with Murray. What exactly was Murray's job? To ensure to the best of his ability that the performer was in tour-ready shape. 
By the time Jackson began rehearsing for the 50 concert dates, he was already being treated for chronic pain for decades. Some injuries included head burns that the singer suffered while filming a Pepsi commercial in 1984, and later a back injury he sustained when a bridge suspended above a stage that he was standing on collapsed during a concert in Munich, Germany in 1999. I remember that. I remember that. Does anybody remember any of this stuff? This compounded by Jackson's concert in Munich, Germany in 1999. This compounded by Jackson's trouble sleeping, especially following tour performances and other high-stress circumstances, as well as multiple diagnosed anxiety disorders, meant the global icon had long been taking a cocktail of prescription drugs he was fully dependent on. Jackson's continued use of such medications made headlines in 2007 when a Beverly Hills pharmacy filed a complaint against the singer for not paying a prescription drug bill dating back to 2005. A former staffer at Jackson's home reporting, according to court documents, that the singer would take 30 to 40 Xanax pills a night. As the concert's rehearsals progressed and the weeks wound down toward the opening night of This Is It, Michael Jackson complained that he was feeling fatigued and that he couldn't sleep between rehearsals. Dr. Conrad Murray confesses that he had given the singer infusions of propofol in order to help the performer sleep. After a poor rehearsal on June 13, 2009, Jackson missed the following day's rehearsal on the advice of Murray. According to Kenny Ortega's testimony, the show director for This Is It, AE. I just want to side note real quick and say, Kenny Ortega is Mr. Ortega, who was my dance teacher at Hollywood High. He taught me and some all of my friends in the dance class how to, it, we were in a musical. So Mr. Ortega was hired to teach us tap. So he taught us how to tap dance so we could do the musical. Isn't that dope? That's the same Mr. Ortega. Way back in 1990, he did that with us. Murray. According to Kenny Ortega's testimony, the show director for This Is It, AEG, was firm in putting Murray in charge of getting Jackson to rehearsals. However, Jackson was a no-show for another week. Ortega stated that when Jackson returned to rehearsals on June 19th, he appeared, quote, lost, cold, afraid. And the show director believed the best thing to do would be to stop the production, but was torn because he, quote, did not want to break Michael's heart. In a series of emails to AEG Live executives, Ortega wrote Jackson was showing signs of paranoia. Of emails to AEG, and the show director believed the best thing to do would be to stop the production, but was torn because he quote did not want to break. Look how thin he looks, y'all. Look at his face. Just look so bony. Break Michael's heart. In a series of emails to AEG Live executives, Ortega wrote Jackson was showing signs of paranoia, anxiety, and obsessive disorder-like behavior, and recommended a psychiatrist be brought in to evaluate the star. At a meeting at Michael Jackson's home on June 20th, Ortega recounted that Murray believed Jackson was, quote, physically and emotionally capable of handling all his responsibility as a... Why would he say that when he see the man ain't sleeping right and he mad skinny? That's whack. A performer and that Murray should be the only one to make such decisions. After almost a decade's break in Jackson's music and performing, as well as an intense period that sought to take down his legendary career during his trial for alleged child molestation, the biggest superstar in the world needed to triumph comeback like no other. 
The stakes were as high as ever, and this comeback was simply too big to fail. The show must go on. No living being should ever eat processed food for every single meal of their life. Michael returned to rehearsals on June 23rd, apparently a very different man. Quote, I was overjoyed at his energy, his state of mind, his enthusiasm, Ortega stated. Dr. Murray later admitted he had stopped using propofol to induce sleep for Jackson for the two previous nights, a sleep expert confirming that a person can recover quickly from heavy use of the drug. So why, why would he go back and give it to him some more then? If he saw that the shit made him lively again, well, we know the answer to that. But I'm just like, dang, why you, uh, just... Uh. A sleep expert confirming that a person can recover quickly from heavy use of the drug. On June 24th, Jackson left his home around 7 p.m. and traveled to the Staples Center in downtown Los Angeles for what would be his final rehearsal. Many in attendance recalled the singer as continuing to be in good shape as he ran through the show. The rehearsal ended around midnight, and Jackson hugged his dancers and thanked the crew. Then the music icon returned home, where he greeted a small group of fans who had gathered outside his rented mansion. The sold-out shows were scheduled for just a few weeks, and for the first time, Michael felt positive and on his way to giving audiences the type of performance he felt they deserved. On June 25th, in the early hours of the morning, Michael began complaining of fatigue. Dr. Conrad Murray was concerned that Jackson was addicted to propofol and instead administered Valium to the singer in order to help him sleep. Throughout the night, Murray said he gave Jackson further doses of sedatives, but no propofol, even though the singer repeatedly requested it. Murray gave in to Jackson's demand for the drug mid-morning on June 25th, when the doctor added propofol to the singer's intravenous drip. According to Murray's June 27th interview with the police, he remained with Jackson for 10 minutes before leaving the room. It is presumed that Michael Jackson was alone in his bedroom at the time of his death while his doctor took a phone call. Dr. Conrad Murray returned to the room to find Michael Jackson unresponsive and not breathing. Before calling 911, he attempted to resuscitate Jackson, as did paramedics when they eventually arrived onto the scene. At UCLA Medical Center, where the performer was rushed to, a team of doctors also attempted resuscitation to no avail, and Jackson was officially pronounced dead. The King of Pop was gone forever. If you are interested in seeing the public's initial reaction and how Michael Jackson's death was first reported, then we highly recommend you watch our news compilation documenting this tragic and historic day. As for Michael Jackson's last words, there is no clear record of what he said before he passed away. Some fans have suggested that he may have said something about his children or his legacy as a musician. Others have speculated that he may have expressed fear or anxiety about his well-being, paranoid that people within the industry were out to murder him. He may have expressed his distress to Murray, that the singer needed to get his sleep so to rehearse, prep, and perform at his best for what would be his ultimate career comeback. According to some reports, Michael Jackson may have muttered something unintelligible before he slipped into unconsciousness. However, according to Dr. Conrad Murray, Jackson's last words were repeated requests for milk. Milk being the term Jackson used for propofol, the anesthetic he overdosed on. 
the drug resembling the color and consistency of milk, often nicknamed the milk of amnesia, giving fans the image of Jackson in a barely conscious state and glazed look in his eyes, deliriously asking for milk, like a helpless infant would to his mother, in his baby mind and in his deep addiction, nourishment he so strongly relied on. Since Murray later went on trial for Jackson's death, you might question his reliability regarding Jackson's last words. However, as evidence, Murray recorded some of Jackson's conversations as proof of his testimony. Quote, Just make me sleep. It doesn't matter what happens. Jackson directed his physician. The alleged last sentences that Michael Jackson said were, quote, I can't function if I don't sleep. They'll have to cancel it, and I don't want them to cancel it. But they will have to cancel it according to the doctor. Quote, he was pleading and begging to please, please let him have some milk because that was the only thing that would work. Murray testified. However, despite... Question. Why couldn't he just give Michael Jackson some goddamn milk? You know, milk. That's what the fuck he was asking for. Some regular milk. You know, if you warm up cow milk, did you know that it will put you to sleep? Just like if you boil some bananas, okay, and drink like the banana tea, it'll help you sleep. This nigga gonna give him some real motherfucking chemical instead of just pouring a nigga some milk. Shame on him. By Dr. Conrad Murray's testimony, the coroner formally declared Michael Jackson's death a homicide, or regicide, technically. He died from drugs, and a doctor gave him those drugs. Murray was therefore convicted and spent two years in prison for man... This... This is the guy who killed Michael Jackson, allegedly. Allegedly. God damn. That just sucks. Slaughter, along with losing his medical license. Many continue to speculate about the events that led up to the King of Pop's death, with some even believing that they remain suspicious and claim the artist isn't even dead at all. Theories we investigate in this video that we have linked below. Regardless of what he may have said in his final moments, Michael Jackson's death was a tragic loss for the world of music and entertainment. His contributions to the industry were enormous, and his influence on music and popular culture will be felt for generations to come. If you are new here, hit subscribe for more Michael Jackson documentary-type content. Like this video, and let us know if you enjoy this type of format and what other topics you would like to see from us. Until next time, have a good one. Check this next one out. Most people have no clue. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty deep, man. I felt, I don't know, some type of way watching these videos, you know, because I, I hadn't really watched Michael Jackson stuff in a while. What about y'all? Anybody out there been watching Michael Jackson stuff? Well, I hadn't really in a long while, you know, a while, you know, every now and again, I'd play a song here or there, but I didn't just like bust playing his stuff. You know what I'm saying? So let's check this out. Hold on. Let's check this out. Although it had its perks, being Michael Jackson also made things a lot more difficult. All rights reserved. This is for The fear of being mobbed wherever he went was a constant. And informational purpose this is courtesy of the detail. Y'all might want to check that channel out. The detail of Michael Jackson's most bizarre disguises. I just wanted to check these out. We're going to go concern for the king of pop. Really normal things that we all take for granted, like shopping at a bookstore, 
going to the supermarket, or just being out in public in general, had to be planned in advance with airtight security measures. If he ever wanted to go to a store, they had to be called and it shut down for him. A lot of the time, he was effectively a prisoner in his hotel room. That is why the artist often resorted to an array of disguises, which were successful to varying degrees. I do disguises for different reasons. I like to study people. I like to be a fly on the wall, even if it's two old ladies sitting on a bench or some kids on a swing, because I don't know what it's like to fit into an everyday life situation. One time I was in a record store, completely disguised, and these girls were pulling out my album, talking all about me. I was literally next to them. It was wonderful. I loved it. Welcome to the detail. And in this video, we're going to expose the most wild attempts Michael Jackson made to disguise himself. So if you like this video, make sure to give us a like, subscribe for more like this one, and also check out our store. We have really great original designs. Having been catapulted into stardom as a child, Jackson was often mobbed with his brothers and learnt early the importance of keeping anonymity in public. At first glance, you wonder what beaming young actress Tatum O'Neill sees in her older date, his features obscured by a huge afro and bushy beard. But the eyes are a giveaway. Beneath the elaborate disguise is a 24-year-old Michael Jackson, hoping to enjoy a concert with his first girlfriend without being recognised. Tatum said, we were going to a Cool in the Gang concert. Michael didn't want to be spotted. He got the special effects guy to help. We had an amazing night. No one recognised us, but we did have some strange looks as he did appear so much older than me. It is said that the get-up was put together by Oscar-winning special effects artist Rick Baker, who later would work on the Thriller video. During this period, Michael often made various attempts to conceal his identity with the use of wigs, makeup and prosthetics. There is nowhere in the world I can actually go and have privacy. To use the silly expression, I live in a fishbowl, but it's true. I do disguises, people know them all. Fat suits, buck teeth, glasses, afros, prosthetics, makeup jobs, everything. Just to sit in the audience and experience it the way an audience should experience a show. I want to feel how they feel. This fascination with altering his own appearance and how it changes the way he experiences the world around him was reflected in his work with music videos like Thriller and Ghosts, as well as his changing appearance over the years to come. Although Jackson's disguises weren't always as convincing as he might have liked, as in 1989, Jackson was caught on CCTV at a gift shop in California. Jackson was seen wearing a wig, stick-on moustache and fake teeth. His disguise was so dodgy, he got stopped by security guards and questioned about his suspicious appearance. It was funny, but it was also a little bit frightening. I mean, if he would have been wearing his glove, we would have known who he was. As the years went on, Jackson's disguises would become less convincing and more bizarre. He would often wear scarves, masks and surgical plasters to cover his face. Like he would with his children, he would cover his face in heaps of fabric in hopes that he would not be recognised. Although such bizarre behaviour probably did the exact opposite and made him more of a target of public intrigue. These unorthodox disguises led him into cross-dressing in 2006. Most people working at this mall in Bahrain thought this person covered head to toe in a black veil, gloves and glasses appeared to be a rich doting Saudi mother, leaping from one aisle to the next to select kids' shoes, clothes and toys in mother care. But while he was waiting for an assistant to pay, 
Akashia said that she noticed that the person in the woman's abaya was wearing men's shoes. I looked at him and mouthed, Michael Jackson, she said, but he wagged his finger to caution me against saying that aloud. Then Jackson made his way to a shoe store, and a salesman thought he was assisting a wealthy Saudi woman, then heard a group of Iranian women saying that Jackson was in the mall. I looked at the person's shoes and found they were men's shoes. That's when I guessed it, it was Michael Jackson, he said. By then, the crowd was growing, so store staff had to help Jackson escape. The main entrance was packed with fans and photographers. A crowd also gathered at the staff exit. At that point, a woman with Jackson asked the driver to get scarves for the children, which she wrapped around their faces before he was led through a back door. Thank you for watching the detail. If you like this video, please give us a like and subscribe. Definitely check out the detail. I really, I really enjoy all of their stuff. So anyway, let's keep moving. We're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. How y'all doing tonight? Listen, please don't forget to click like. Please don't forget to click like, like, like. Please don't forget to click like. All right. Um. Yeah, this was, this was a heck of a... I've been just really watching a bunch of Michael, you know. Right around his birthday, I usually kind of get like that. Yeah, I was watching stuff on Erica Mena too. Hot Miss. Yeah, they let her go from um, Love and Hip Hop for a little while. She needs to get her head together. Can't be calling women monkeys and stuff. That's just not, it's not going, it's not going to be good, you know. Can't be doing that. Let's see. Let's go into this one. I love a suntan look. The skin one. Let's check it out. Secrets have largely been revealed when it comes to Michael Jackson's foray into plastic surgery and other physical enhancements. All right, Reserve, this is for educational and informational purposes. Showbiz secrets have largely been revealed when it comes to Michael Jackson's foray into plastic surgery and other physical enhancements, many of which have been covered by this channel. But one question has remained largely unanswered, at least satisfactory enough to end speculation that persists to this very day. How exactly did Michael Jackson's skin tone go from black to white? So, let's begin with what we do know. During his lifetime, Michael Jackson opened up that he had the long-standing pigment-depleting disorder, vitiligo, that caused large patches to appear on his skin, and that he used makeup to even out. This was ultimately confirmed after years of skepticism, when Jackson's autopsy report stated that there were, quote, patches of light and dark pigmented areas on examination of his skin, and that vitiligo was listed as a diagnosis in his medical history. However, vitiligo is rarely a condition that continues to spread over the body until the skin is completely devoid of all pigment and consistent in tone. Take, for example, the beautiful and groundbreaking fashion model, Winnie Harlow, whose condition has progressed far slower during her years in the public eye. Outside treatments had to be used to progress Jackson's disease, with his death also revealing his use of skin lightening products when nearly 30 tubes of said creams were found at his home in 2009 despite consistently denying that he used such methods to bleach his skin. There, as I know of, there is no such thing as skin bleaching. Mm -hmm. The bleached skin rumor, which is a rumor I don't bleach my skin, 
To this day, many fans defend Jackson's use of such products with the argument that they were used to even out his skin tone once the vitiligo had gotten to an advanced state, which is likely to have some truth to it. Although little evidence has come to light as to what treatments, if any, did Michael Jackson resort to during the early stages of his disfiguring disease to maintain his original complexion. With many, now debunked, doctored images surfacing over the years as evidence of the early stages of his condition. Despite popular belief, Michael Jackson's skin tone didn't progressively get lighter as he battled to cover up the visual effects of the disease. But in reality, his skin tone appeared wildly different over the years. Appearing lighter on stage and during publicity shoots versus images from Jackson's private life causing many to question how much Jackson's lightened look was solely as a result of his condition, or was it, at least in some part, a decision Michael Jackson made for himself? In this video, we delve deep into Michael Jackson's changing skin tone, what treatments were likely to have been used to treat, conceal, or accelerate his condition, and a look into his motivations in doing so. Here's the detail. As the lead singer of the Jackson 5 and part of Motown's historic movement in music, Michael Jackson appeared much the same complexion to his brothers as they conquered radio airways releasing hit after hit in the early 1970s. However, as Michael Jackson progressed into adolescence, his skin became a major obsession for the increasingly self-conscious star. Blighted with teenage acne, many times Michael couldn't bear to look in the mirror. Brother Jermaine, writing in his autobiography, quote, he hated his skin and his nose so much that he found it hard to look at himself in the mirror. This wasn't just typical teenage self-consciousness. It became a full-blown inferiority complex. The more he looked at himself, the unhappier he felt. Like many teens, Michael trialed countless products to help clear up his skin and fade the scars left behind. Jermaine Jackson also revealing that it was during this time Michael and himself started using skin-bleaching creams not to lighten, but to even out their skin tone and help with hyperpigmentation caused by acne scarring. Jermaine fiercely stated that Michael never bleached his face or skin and was proud of being black. It was during Jermaine's teenage years that he also noticed a white blemish on his left thigh. A doctor informed Jermaine that it was, in fact, vitiligo, and not to worry unless it spreads, giving some insight as to when Michael may have first developed the condition himself, as vitiligo can be only genetically inherited. As Michael Jackson progressed into early adulthood, his complexion appeared much the same, and there is little evidence of him trying to cover up a pigment-depleting skin condition. In early 1983, upon the release of Thriller and while attending the Brit Awards in London, the first signs of a change in his skin tone surfaced. During the glitzy event, Michael Jackson's face appeared slightly irritated. Areas around the eyes, nose, and hairline appeared deeper when his cheeks, chin, and forehead were lighter in comparison. This may have been caused by the use of harsh topicals used to prevent acne breakouts or bleaching creams to treat hyperpigmentation and in turn lighten the skin. Throughout 1983 and 1984, Michael Jackson appeared in public on numerous occasions with what appeared to be angry red flush cheeks. Many have speculated that these rashes were caused by Michael's then undiagnosed lupus condition. Why they gotta be angry? I didn't understand that. When he said it, when I heard it the first time, angry, red flesh cheeks. Hmm. What are they doing too much? K 
occasions with what appeared to be angry red flushed cheeks. Many have speculated that these rashes were caused by Michael's then undiagnosed lupus condition. Although, after researching the type of rashes that develop as a result of lupus, that typically leaves much more severe scarring. Michael's inflamed cheeks would be more indicative of a reaction to harsh topical products. During this period, Michael's skin appeared lighter and ashier in tone. This could have been caused by the use of bleaching creams, which can leave a grayish tint to the skin, or poor foundation makeup products available at the time for deeper skin tones, which often caused a similar effect. However, during the Jackson's victory tour in the latter half of 1984, Michael Jackson would appear noticeably lighter. This is largely due to a lighter shade of base he would wear throughout the show when compared to the stage makeup his brothers wore. Some have argued that Michael may have started using lighter makeup in order to conceal the early stages of his vitiligo. However, images of Jackson without makeup prove that no blotches were visible on his face at this time. Instead, it is more likely Michael used lighter makeup to complement his lightened complexion and thicker consistencies to cover acne scarring and redness that persisted on his skin. People put things off and put things off and put things off. And I think the, the best gift you could ever give yourself is the greatest smile that you could have because that's how people really do get to know you. During 1985 and 1986, Michael Jackson appeared increasingly lighter during the few public appearances he made during this period. Longtime producer Quincy Jones has since stated that while recording the Bad LP, he complained to Michael about the numerous skin peels he was having during this time, believing that they were to lighten Jackson's skin rather than treat any other condition he may have had. During the production of the Bad music video in the winter of 1986, Michael Jackson sported a radically lightened look that his longtime friend and self-described former girlfriend, Stephanie Mills, couldn't help but to pass comment on. When he did the bad video, he called me and he wanted my best friend, who was Greg Bird, to choreograph the bad video. And um, I got in touch and they got in touch with each other. And then I went to visit the set. That was the first time I ever saw him when he had totally changed. Mm -hmm. What did you think? I whispered, I whispered something. I, I whispered something in his ear. What did you like, say, Miss Mills? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> During the promotion of Bad, the ambitious release was accompanied by a variety of publicity shots of Jackson that emphasized his new, lighter skin tone. Moody black and white shots, as well as the album cover image itself, were edited to manufacture a new racially ambiguous image of Michael Jackson. Damn. Did y'all know that? Did anybody out there put one in the chat if y'all knew? that they had lightened Michael's actual album cover. That shit cray. Let me rewind that just a little bit. Hold up. That's crazy. That's Lighter skin tone, moody black and white shots, as well as the album cover image itself, were edited to manufacture a new racially ambiguous image of Michael Jackson. However, private images during this period would reveal that his complexion was, in contrast, much closer to his original skin tone than you would have thought especially when rehearsing and traveling around Asia while on the first leg of the Bad Tour and the latter half of 1987. In the opening scenes of his music film Moonwalker, Jackson performs Man in the Mirror to a sea of thousands. In this, he is seen singing the emotive track while sweating off his bass makeup, revealing in high definition his natural, deeper skin tone. Damn. As the Bad Tour came to a close in 1989, 
Michael Jackson appeared during his Liberian Girl music video and various high-profile award ceremonies wearing noticeably deeper base makeup. Private images that have surfaced reveal a Michael Jackson that had largely returned to his original skin tone by this point. In this candid shot of Michael with AIDS, activist Ryan White, taken on a Polaroid camera while White and his mother were visiting Jackson at Neverland, Jackson bears much resemblance to his image during the thriller days of the early 1980s, including his original skin tone. In early 1991, Indian photographer Dilip Mehta spent five nights with Michael Jackson at Neverland, as a result capturing some incredibly intimate shots of the artist. Michael appears in his natural state, unstyled, brows ungroomed with minimal makeup on. Although for the last few years Michael had resorted to having his arms and legs covered for the most part, his face and hands appeared lightened but have little sign of the uneven blotches characteristic of vitiligo. However, 1991 would see Michael Jackson's most drastic and permanent change to his skin as he began to use stronger lightening topicals, vitiquin and hydroquinone. Only effective on those with vitiligo already, such FDA-approved creams are used to treat those in the advanced stages, with over 50% of their body covered in pale patches, to start the process of complete depigmentation of the skin. Recommended to be applied two to three times daily, depigmentation may begin in one to four months. However, professionals say complete depigmentation can take between one to four years, with the effect being permanent and irreversible as it results in the death of melanocytes the cells that make skin pigment or melanin. Following treatment, Jackson's skin would become forever sun-sensitive. Oh, uh, begin in one oh, no, that was deep. Only effective on those with vitiligo already, oh, okay. such FDA-approved creams are used to treat those in the advanced stages, with over 50% of their body covered in pale patches, to start the process of complete depigmentation of the skin. Recommended to be applied two to three times daily, depigmentation may begin in one to four months. However, professionals say complete depigmentation can take between one to four years, with the effect being permanent and irreversible as it results in the death of melanocytes, the cells that make skin pigment or melanin. Following treatment, Jackson's skin would become forever sun-sensitive, and it would be recommended to avoid the sun where possible and apply SPF 50-plus broad-spectrum sunscreen at least daily. During this process, Michael was shot by famed photographer Herb Ritz in June 1991. During the shoot, the artist's skin tone appeared vastly different, deeper in some shots, as well as ghostly white in others, depending on the lighting and body makeup used. Try this 10-minute morning ritual tonight to rapidly reverse signs of aging. Damn. How y'all doing tonight? Make sure you click like, guys. I'm trying to hit the algorithms, or so they call it. So click like, okay? I would really appreciate that. Michael Jackson would visit Disney World and vacation in Bermuda with friend Macaulay Culkin, during which the artist was photographed wearing a thicker, paler base on his face when compared to his hands. Guests also took note of Michael's full head-to-toe covering looks despite the humid climate on the island. That September, when Michael Jackson began filming for the Black or White video, it's obvious that Michael was attempting to disguise his natural skin tone with heavier amounts of face and body makeup throughout the shoot. The artist is seen being patted down and new makeup applied in the breaks between the exhaustive shoot. For his next video, Remember the Time, Michael Jackson appears even more covered, wearing long sleeves, black jeans, and boots when compared to the dancers and his co-stars in the video. 
uncharacteristic of the ancient Egyptian setting, suggesting that the treatment may have caused so much unevenness to his skin tone that it was far easily to reveal as little as possible and cover him in thick stage makeup. In stark contrast, when Michael Jackson appeared in his In the Closet video just a few months later, the King of the Pop appeared stripped back in a simple white tank top. With bare arms and chest out in the desert setting, the uncontrolled and humid environment would suggest less of a reliance on body makeup to even out his skin tone and that the depigmentation process was largely complete. Home footage of Michael taking his shirt off after being pushed in the pool at Neverland documents a freer Michael Jackson, who outwardly appears unencumbered by the visible effects of vitiligo as he spontaneously rips his shirt off, revealing his depigmented chest and body. However, although permanent, depigmentation must be maintained with regular applications of lightning topicals, with higher strengths available for more stubborn areas like the knees and elbows. Throughout the coming years, many images have surfaced of Michael Jackson that in some way show the battle he had to conceal and even out his depleted skin tone. Particularly troublesome areas appear to be the arms, chest, ears, and eyelids as such creams were not recommended for thinner areas of skin, which may explain Michael's heavier use of eye makeup in later years as a result. Michael Jackson's drastic, quote, race erasing transformation was ridiculed in the worldwide press for many years ahead, compounded by the persistent struggle he faced covering dark spots and maintaining a consistent look to his complexion. Former wife, Lisa Marie Presley, revealing that in private, Michael was so self-conscious about his condition that he would very often sleep in his heavy makeup. After years of humiliation and having to hide the true extent of his condition, Jermaine Jackson, in his autobiography, recounts a vulnerable moment in 2005. Quote, He stands in front of us, head bound, as if he feels shame. It is the first time I have seen the true extent of his skin condition, and it shocks me. His self-consciousness is such that he has kept his body hidden from even his family until now. His torso is light brown, splashed with vast areas and blotches of white, spreading across his upper chest. One patch of white covers his ribs and stomach, another runs down his side, and blotches cover one shoulder and upper arm. There is more white than brown, his natural skin color. He looks like a white man splashed with coffee. This is the skin condition the vitiligo, that a cynical world says he doesn't have, preferring to believe that he bleaches his skin. Subscribe for part two, where we theorize Michael Jackson's mindset and possible motivations when it came to his altering skin. Say goodbye to restrictive methods and... Michael Jackson's turbulent journey when it came to his complexion and examined the methods used to take him from black to white. In this video, we aim to theorize Michael Jackson's complex motivations, which called into question the King of Pop's relationship to his racial identity. Whether the alarming transformation was solely as a result of his vitiligo condition, or was it at least in some part a decision Michael Jackson made for himself. No one other than Jackson himself could truly articulate his thoughts when it comes to this matter.
In this video, we will sort to argue three different scenarios that may have plausibly led to Michael Jackson's most dramatic of changes, and in turn, let you, the viewer, make your own assessments. Here's the detail. The first logic is the simplest one, and closest to Michael Jackson's own set of accounts. That the iconic performer had suffered for years with the skin pigment depleting condition vitiligo and used makeup as well as skin bleaching creams to even out his skin tone until his complexion was consistent and completely absent of color. From his start as part of Motown's historic movement in music, young Michael looked up to many of its biggest stars, as well as other black music showmen, including Little Richard, James Brown, Jackie Wilson, and Sammy Davis Jr., to name just a few. The black-owned record label never outwardly favored lighter artists, and as part of a uniquely pro-black environment, Michael Jackson visited African countries on many occasions and was said to be very conscious of black history and the plight of his people. Over the years, Jackson publicly professed the pride he held for his black heritage, only favored lighter artists, and as part of a uniquely pro-black environment, Michael Jackson visited African countries on many occasions and was said to be very conscious of black history and the plight of his people. Over the years, Jackson publicly professed the pro he held for his black heritage, as well as made private statements that, in his eyes, black was indeed beautiful. I think, no, East Indian. I think they're really beautiful, and the darker they are, the more beautiful. With this knowledge, we would have no reason to believe Michael had any motivation to reject or disguise his inherent blackness. However, as we found out in our last video, there is no evidence of Jackson using makeup or other methods to maintain his original skin tone once vitiligo became apparent. In contrast, it is visible that Michael used makeup and bleaching products to appear lighter throughout the years. As visible signs the disease weren't prevalent on noticeable areas of skin, like his hands and face, as late as early 1991. However, one scenario that could have taken place was that Michael Jackson suffered from vitiligo that covered his body alone an explanation for his years wearing long shirts and pants, and sort to blend in the pale patches with his natural skin tone, despite being able to disguise visible signs of the disease. For the notoriously self-conscious singer, the thought of a highly disfiguring skin condition slowly spreading over his body may have been too unbearable for him. As Michael Jackson had obsessive tendencies when it came to other aspects of his looks, often being cited as the poster child for body dysmorphia, that even if he had a mild case of vitiligo, like his brother Jermaine, the psychological effect of the disease could have been too overwhelming for him.
that Michael was willing to resort to the most drastic of measures to resolve it. In his mission, Michael Jackson theoretically could have started depigmentation with the use of powerful skin bleaching creams prematurely to relieve himself of intense dysphoria, despite the long-term impact this would have on his health and public image. On the flip side, Michael Jackson's lightened look may have simply been a personal preference gone wrong. That his racially ambiguous image during publicity shoots and music videos and while on stage was his preferred look at this time. He liked my hair because uh, I'm Native American and Russian. And he liked my hair because I have dark black long hair and I'm pale. So he, just, he was just blown away with my hair. There is evidence of this in the form of a mural that was painted at his family's home, Havenhurst. Completed in 1984, it portrays a noticeably lightened Michael Jackson reading The Secrets of Life, giving some insight into how he wanted to be portrayed and foretelling his later, lighter looks. Having long been inspired by fairy tales, fantasy figures, and imagery created by the likes of Walt Disney, Michael may have very well been inspired by the Eurocentric beauty standards conveyed in depictions of angels, cherubs, pixies, and fairies alike. From his Prince Charming glitzy military ensembles to his surgically upturned Peter Pan nose, one could argue that Michael Jackson pursued a Disney-inspired fantasy look for himself that could have extended to his skin tone, using makeup, lightning creams and reportedly skin peels to give his desired look. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no. Theoretically, could have become frustrated with their varying levels of success and sorted a more permanent solution. It has been suggested by some that Michael Jackson may even have been prescribed by a misguided doctor these powerful creams as a solution to permanently and more effectively lighten his complexion. But their effect backfired, causing the complete destruction of melanocytes, forcing Jackson to fully depigment his skin as a result. Not the first time Michael's been a victim of botched surgeries and visually debilitating ailments. His pursuit for physical perfection when it came his desire for lightened skin could have ironically resulted in a far worse body insecurity for the artist. This compounded by the endless ridicule and speculation Michael was the victim of in tabloid media as a result. After years of silence on the matter, in a groundbreaking 1993 interview with Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jackson finally revealed publicly his condition, and in the same breath, adamantly proclaimed his black pride, calling out hypocrisy when it comes to the public's reaction to his change in appearance versus the attempts others make to alter themselves. But what about all the millions of people? Let's reverse it. Okay. What about all the millions of people who sit out in the sun mm -hmm. to become darker, to become other than what they are? Mm -hmm. Nobody says nothing about that. Highlighting his frustration with the different set of rules black artists have to follow when compared to their white counterparts. For example, Madonna has never been perceived as denying her Italian roots by dyeing her hair platinum blonde and adopting an all-American Marilyn Monroe image. Neither did Giorgios Panayatu for disguising his Greek Cypriot heritage by adopting the anglicized name George Michael. It appears to be a uniquely black experience that artists like Michael Jackson had their blackness constantly disputed as his wealth and influence grew. 
that he must consistently project and proclaim his black pride through his image and creative endeavors, a requirement Jackson likely found limiting and resented. It could be argued that Michael Jackson didn't see his racial identity as something that he felt the need to outwardly parade, but that it was something that he embodied internally and never felt disconnected from. Another perspective that has been argued is that Michael Jackson's lightened appearance was motivated by his pursuit for ever-increasing commerciality. That the ambitious crossover star, who broke all kinds of racial barriers in modern pop music, sought to break away from the confines often placed on black artists altogether by appearing, superficially at least, outside the realms of race. Having achieved the best-selling album of all time with Thriller in 1984, Michael Jackson was in no way satisfied and determined to go beyond his previous accomplishments by selling over double of his follow-up record, with 100 million albums written on his bathroom mirror as a daily reminder. Having studied the greats in popular music, Michael obsessively examined the careers of those that came before him. How did some strike it rich? Why are few considered legendary over others? And how did some die penniless and now long forgotten? In a 1987 note written before the release of his Bad Album, Michael Jackson described the unique challenges he believed black artists faced when compared to their white counterparts and his mission to triumph over adversity. Quote, Throughout history, white men have always branded the pages of history with great white hopes, putting whites over blacks as nobles, like Elvis being the king of rock and roll, Springsteen being the boss, and the Beatles being the best. Yes, these guys were good, but they weren't better singers or dancers than the blacks. The difference is that whites control the press, the media, and they make the public believe whatever they desire. Plus, a lot of the blacks have been ugly to look at. You must be beautiful looking. I will change this now with the power of my songs and dance and looks and total reclusiveness and mystery world. I will rule as the king. From these assessments, it is clear that Michael Jackson believed his looks had great power during the heights of the video generation in music and their potential to propel him to new stratospheric heights of commercial dominance. Having captured the hearts and minds of the American public during Thriller Mania, Michael had aspirations to take it global, to reach new audiences further afield in much the same way despite some cultures rarely embracing black artists or music. In this pursuit, it could be argued that Michael Jackson sought to project a more universal image, one that sat outside the confines of black or white, to broaden his global appeal and free himself creatively from the conventions of race. This would explain Michael's more racially ambiguous image in photo shoots, music videos, and while performing, versus the more natural complexion we would see in images taken in private. However, an unforeseen effect of this change in his image were the countless articles and speculation over Michael Jackson's altered complexion. His position as a role model for black youth and debate over his apparent dissatisfaction in his blackness. This controversy causing a spectacle in itself that no doubt only heightened the sensation that followed him on his world tour and warranted further publicity when promoting his music. At least in some part, Audiences tuned into MTV video premieres and awards ceremonies to witness Michael and his evolving looks. It could be argued that Michael Jackson became increasingly obsessed with the power of this, 
that his good looks didn't just have the capability of attracting fans and larger audiences, but they could also cause a sensation and create a cult of mystique around him. During the development of his Dangerous album, Jackson experimented wildly in hopes of cultivating a whole new image for himself. As the recently named King of Pop, Michael needed a whole reinvention in order to break new ground with the ambitious album. So not to underwhelm audiences with just another Michael Jackson record with a similar look and style. Inspired by the master of spectacle and the greatest showman, P.T. Barnum, who appears on the cover of his Dangerous album, Jackson may have aspired to make more daring moves to hold the public entry and further develop his increasingly bizarre and mysterious persona. One such move may have been to use his vitiligo condition to his perceived advantage, to embody the notion of a spectacle eerily bearing resemblance to other Jackson fascinations, like the Elephant Man and circus attractions of old. The Black Man Who Turned White Without Explanation, a formula that to this day still holds gravitas, as many continue to speculate the real truth behind Michael Jackson's skin. But what conclusions have you come to? Leave your comments below. Thanks for watching the detail. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time with more MJ videos. Well, that was dope. Who's still out there with me tonight? Woo woo. Let's check this out. I'm still, I, I, I had saved a bunch of them, man. Ugh. But you know what? Detail Magazine, I mean, Detail um, did a great job. Let's check out Detail. Let's keep going. While the world continued to obsess over Michael Jackson's changing appearance throughout his lifetime, something else kept changing on the King of Pop that went largely unnoticed. His hair. Throughout his life in the public eye, Michael Jackson wore a variety of hairstyles due to changing trends, personal style choices, as well as to conceal well-documented injuries that caused damage to his scalp. In this video, we document how Michael Jackson achieved some of his most iconic hair looks. From music video shoots and
album covers, to award show appearances. With first-hand accounts from his longtime hairstylist and wig makers. Here's the detail. But before we begin, this video would not be possible without our friends over at NordVPN. If you ever browse online and feel like somebody's always watching you, well, they most likely are. Your data is big business, and companies do all they can to track everything you do online in order to build a reliable profile of you and better predict your next move. Think of it as Michael Jackson going out in public without any security at all and getting mobbed by thousands of screaming fans. This is effectively you online without you even being aware of it. VPN network traffic is more heavily encrypted than normal traffic. The detail. Well, the first thing is turmeric soap for a hyper. Check out the link in the description box below. Rights and black power movements of the 1960s. When Michael Jackson rose to child superstardom as part of the Jackson 5, him and his brothers sported natural hairstyles in a variety of lengths, commonly referred to as the Afro. Indicative of the successes in the civil rights and black power movements of the 1960s, the next decade saw a new wave of African Americans expressing their political commitments by adopting more traditional African styles. The Jackson 5 symbolized a whole new generation of performers who no longer felt the need to assimilate to white ideals, but embraced their natural hair texture as a signifier of black pride. As a result, throughout the 1970s, Michael and the Jackson brothers Whoa. We're having a storm out here, guys. So, hey, what's up, Jackie? Cool. We're having a storm, so my internet is tripping, y'all. Brothers helped popularize the era-defining style in its various forms. However, in 1979 and upon the release of his off-the-wall album, Michael Jackson adopted a whole new look. Part of this reinvention meant the mismatched colorful costumes he wore with his brothers were gone, to be replaced with sleek tuxedos and sparkling rhinestones. His hair was also cut short, and Michael spent several years testing products to help define his curls, to give his hair a healthy and glossy appearance. In this rare footage recorded in 1982, as he was preparing to shoot the Thriller album cover, Michael Jackson shares some of his hair secrets, stating that he used water to give his hair a glistening quality, hairpins to keep his hair down and maintain his parting, as well as his disdain for any kind of hair mousse. I hate well, no, just, just a little bit. I think that makes you yeah. Here's a short interview of Orlando hair salon owner Finney Thompson, who Michael Jackson frequented over a period of five years while traveling the country on tour during this period. This is Rudy. That's Michael. That's my son, Wendell. That's me. 
Pliny Thompson knew Michael Jackson better than most in Central Florida. For about five years back in the 80s, he did the pop legend's hair every time he came to town. I used to ask him about the tabloids. Yeah, I used to ask him about the tabloids. And he said that he told me that most stuff that in the tabloid, he didn't know anything about it until he read. Pliny says he had to sneak Michael in his shop after hours. He always treated the king of pop like any other customer. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't run into that problem at all. You know, he got all the privacy he wanted. In return, Michael bought him one of the first ever VCR TVs. He also gave him this autographed poster. During the thriller period, Michael Jackson's look would be defined by his iconic Jerry curl. A glossy, loosely curled style achieved by using a chemical relaxer to first loosen up the hair's wave pattern, and then another chemical solution would then be added to permanently secure the looser, curly look. Spraying expensive bottles of hairspray called activators into the hair would then provide a glossy sheen. The style often being called a wash and wear hairstyle, meaning the wetter it was, the better it looked. The hairstyle quickly grew in popularity with many other male celebrities following suit and soon became a cultural staple for the black community. The Jerry curl was so pervasive and yet so distinctive on each person who wore it, depending on the cut and styling. And she still smiles. She is still teeny tiny. This body is good. Yeah. Power conceal every day. Wear stretch bodysuit and it would go seamless. Under clothes, it does have stretchy bra strap and it does. All right. My internet is chipping. We have a format. Michael Jackson's thriller curls were shorter on top and longer in the back, with loose curls cascading down his forehead. He had his side parting styled in, and his baby hairs slicked down, blending into his sideburns. However, his crowning glory would never be the same after January 27, 1984, when Michael Jackson's hair caught ablaze while filming a Pepsi commercial in front of an audience of 3,000 extras. Caused by a pyrotechnic firework going off too early, the accident ultimately caused second-degree burns to the pop star's scalp, leaving a permanent palm-sized bald spot on his crown. In the immediate aftermath, some believed Michael Jackson's use of styling products contributed to the accident, as many that gave the hair a shiny look contained ingredients like glycerin and moisturizers that can be flammable especially for afro-textured hair, which will burn more readily than long, straight, limp hair due to more airspace that makes oxygen available for combustion. However, Michael Jackson spoke out to express his hurt upon hearing these assumptions, clarifying that during the shoot, Jackson had only used water, and there was no way that the manner he styled his hair caused the injuries he suffered as a result. Nonetheless, it should be noted that Jackson made these comments while also seeking legal action against PepsiCo, in which any knowledge that the plaintiff may have also contributed to his injuries would have certainly been used against him in court. In a mere matter of weeks, Michael Jackson was back in the limelight accepting the Guinness Book of World Records Award for Thriller, becoming the largest selling album of all time. All rights reserved. All rights reserved. As well as attending the glistening detail, Grammy Awards. Uh, detailed. 
with first-hand accounts from his longtime hairstylist and wig makers. Here's the detail. But before... Oh, uh, we're not that... We're more of... 1990s, Michael Jackson was contemplating oh, no. a new look. It's tripping. Jackson wore up. as many that gave the hurt upon hearing these assumptions, clarifying that during the shoot, Jackson had only used water, and there was no way that the manner he styled his hair caused the injuries he suffered as a result. Nonetheless, it should be noted that Jackson made these comments while also seeking legal action against PepsiCo, in which any knowledge that the plaintiff may have also contributed to his injuries would have certainly been used against him in court. In a mere matter of weeks, Michael Jackson was back in the limelight accepting the Guinness Book of World Records Award for Thriller, becoming the largest selling album of all time, as well as attending the glistening Grammy Awards, where he also made history, winning a record eight awards that night. To hide his injuries, Jackson wore a clip-in hairpiece during these high-profile events, and in the run-up to his victory tour, the Billie Jean singer went through several scalp surgeries in hopes of resolving his damaged scalp. However, these procedures weren't given enough time to heal yeah. before Michael began a grueling schedule of performances as part of the Jackson tour, in which hair pieces had to be worn throughout. Michael Jackson's hair during the Victory Tour was characterized by its looser, stringier appearance. The more relaxed look was achieved with a mixture of activator and water with no doubt that Jackson's perspiration during his high-energy performances would have added to this overall look. In the years after Thriller, Michael Jackson grew his hair longer in the back, but kept it shorter in the front, so his curls would continue to frame his face. When Michael Jackson revealed a whole new look in his Bad Music video, the first part presented him sporting shorter hair. However, once Jackson transformed into a buckle-bound rock star with a fierce attitude, his hair suddenly appeared much longer. He maintained the part in his hair and combed out the curls, adding extensions in the back, making his hair appear bigger and looser, as opposed to the small and tight curls he had earlier on, a long shag that he constantly tossed and flipped as he danced, all with the help of a wind machine. The bad era would be defined by Michael Jackson's much longer, looser, curled look, which he achieved by applying perms to his hair and adding in extensions to increase length and volume. While on tour, Jackson would often wear his hair in a loose, low ponytail, a more secure style when performing and in more humid climates. Michael would also repeatedly be seen wearing hats, whether his signature fedora, a la Smooth Criminal. It's a fact. Amazon has created over 40... Uh, anyways, don't forget to click like, you guys. I hope you're having a great evening sharing this night with me while my internet trips out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Let's see. Let me try to refresh this situation. Anyways, thank you guys for hanging out tonight. It's good to, what's up Tyrone Church? What's up Positive Queen? 
What's going on with y'all tonight? I'm going to try to get this. Anybody else loving some Michael Jackson? I had forgot how pretty his face was. I mean, he had a pretty face. He did, you know. He did. Um, he didn't need he didn't need none of that stuff, you know, but evidently he felt like he needed it. Let me try to get this back on the screen. Back on the screen. There's so many of these I was watching all week. I was like, let me share, let me share what I've been watching. You can go to detail. Let me go back to my history. And um, they really, they've really done a great job of doing a lot of research on Michael Jackson. So here we go. Hold on. Let me pause it. Hold on. Pause it. All right, look, let's get it back on the screen. There we go. All right. Bossy, loosely curled style achieved by using a World Records Award for Thriller, becoming the largest selling album of all time, as well as attending the Glistening Grammy Awards, where he also made history, winning a record eight awards that night. To hide his injuries, Jackson wore a clip-in hairpiece during these high-profile events Hold up, we already did this part. All rights reserved. This is for educational and entertainment purposes. All right. Just learning about Michael Jackson. Music video. The first part presented him sporting shorter hair. However, once Jackson transformed into a buckle-bound rock star with a fierce attitude, his hair suddenly appeared much longer. He maintained the part in his hair and combed out the curls, adding extensions in the back, making his hair appear bigger and looser as opposed to the small and tight curls he had earlier on. A long shag that he constantly tossed and flipped as he danced, all with the help of a wind machine. The bad era would be defined by Michael Jackson's much longer, looser, curled look, which he achieved by applying perms to his hair and adding in extensions to increase length and volume. While on tour, Jackson would often wear his hair in a loose, low ponytail, a more secure style when performing and in more humid climates. Michael would also repeatedly be seen wearing hats, whether his signature fedora, a la Smooth Criminal, or something. I've been looking for a product like this my whole life. I wear this product every day. Annoyed. Why is it freezing? Oh, the internet is tripping. It's straight tripping, y'all. It's messing with my internet. Or something more casual while on the road. After years of touring, and as he entered the 1990s, Michael Jackson was contemplating a new look. Recommended by his sister, Janet, Michael was put into contact with Carol Lemire, a prominent hairstylist and wig maker who had many years working in fashion and styling the hair of other celebrity clients. It was really funny because I went to Havenhurst, and when he always stayed at the back of the house where he went up these stairs. And when I knocked on the door when he was told I was there, he slammed it in my face and asked me if I could go back down and wait by the car. 
So while I was waiting by the car, I seen my, um, Michael, and it was like the Pink Panther. He was sneaking behind bushes to get into the house, the main house, to change because he had like a shower cap on, and I guess he didn't want me to see him like that. He was real shy at first because he liked my hair because uh, I'm Native American and Russian. And he liked my hair because I have dark black long hair and I'm pale. And we just got to talking and I seen what the problem was where he got burned and told him what I could do. And from then I started working with him. I had, I had pieces made and he, st- he, had, he still had hair, but I also taught him how to care of it. You know, how to work with the front. Because sometimes when people use clips, you just pull more hair out. So, And there were times when, if you notice, he wanted a curl in the front, I would put a curl in front. Under Carol's guidance, Jackson began to experiment more, switching between his looser curled looks with perfectly tonged tresses at the front, to straighter blown-out styles with the use of much larger hair pieces and extensions to give volume on top. By the time he began shooting the video for the lead single of his next album, Dangerous, Michael Jackson's hair appeared longer in the front and the loose wave tussled style with prominent sideburns was less manicured and more befitting for a rock star performer. While making public appearances and performing on tour, Michael would sport a curlier version, whether completely down or half up and with a variety of combinations of loose curls at the front. In contrast, Michael Jackson's slick back ponytail for his In the Closet music video gave him the fashion edge. And his blown out waves in Remember the Time reminded viewers of his more romantic side. For many fans, the latter video is believed to be the first time Michael Jackson appeared wearing a full wig. However, Lemaire, who styled Jackson's hair during the shoot, can confirm that was not the case. Oh, it wasn't a wig. It was a small hairpiece on top, and I did extensions. Right, okay. Like the curl you would see, I would always show that in somewhere. I don't know if we had a curl on that one. Um, they were always extensions in a hairpiece. I never put wigs on them. Never. Never. We okay. had so hair. What, can, I, I don't understand this, but what is the difference between a hairpiece and a wig? A hairpiece is something that you... A man can wear on top, and then you could put extensions on the bottom instead of putting a whole hairpiece on them. To make a person more comfortable because it's like it's their hair. You know, it's different when you put them in a full wig. It's like they don't feel the same. I never told him, but I used to give his hairpieces. I didn't tell the woman whose hairpieces they were, but I would give them to her to get put on little Richard's head. (laughs) Isn't that funny though? I never knew he was wearing Michael's hair pieces. As he entered the mid-1990s, Michael Jackson became increasingly dissatisfied with his front hairline. In this image, it is clear where Michael's natural hairline ends and where his hairpiece starts. Jackson over the years would make several attempts to disguise his larger hairpieces and help blend it into his natural hairline with the use of makeup and strategically placed strands of hair. Don't leave this room until it's perfect. Clean. Uh, Well, you guys are being very patient with me with this. Shout out the detail. The detail is the 
channel I'm getting this info from. So make sure you go over to their channel and check out Michael Jackson. I don't know if I'm, I don't know what's going on. I'm just riding to the wheels fall off. That's what we're doing. Of 1995, the artist decided to adopt a new look for the release of his history album, cutting much of its length in the back, but keeping volume on top, which was typically styled in a center part. Although Michael experimented with different looks over the coming months. However, the shorter hairstyle was just as short-lived, and Michael Jackson reverted to longer looks in 1996 as he prepared for his upcoming tour. While on tour, Michael showcased styles that weren't dissimilar to those from the Dangerous Era that had now become his signature. Loose long curls worn down in a low ponytail and regularly topped off with a black fedora. By the late 1990s, Michael began wearing shoulder-length blown-out looks that would ultimately define his style for the next decade. Apart from a few fleeting experiments, Michael Jackson exclusively wore long, lace-front hairpieces with a center part. By this time, Michael had permanently tattooed the front of his hairline to help make it look fuller and darker. However, his longtime hairdresser, Carol Lemire, contests that this procedure could well have killed the follicles and caused further hair loss at the front of the hairline, only adding to the expanding bald spot Jackson was already suffering with after multiple failed procedures and illnesses, causing him to lose even more of his natural hair. Doctors said, said they could fix the burn. They could get it to where he wouldn't have to wear nothing, but that never happened. He went to, I think, maybe three different surgeries, and I, it just finally was like, let's stop. Thing going to happen. I mean, it would get infected. And it wasn't that big at first. You know, I did things totally different than this person that came in after. He didn't, if a hairpiece is covering your top, there's no reason why you have to be tattooed. But there are products out there, which I'm sure was used after, and it probably killed his hair follicles because I've had this happen to my own other clients, which makes me furious when people do something like that because he did have hair. In the last years of his life, Michael Jackson wore larger hairpieces that covered much of his natural hair. However, when he was rehearsing for his ill-fated This Is It concert series, the King of Pop revealed at least some of his natural hair and gave a glimpse into how he may have planned to wear it during the show. In typical Jackson style, the smooth criminal singer filmed concert interludes and rehearsed his classic hits sporting his signature wavy locks, although noticeably thinner than in past years. After Michael Jackson's sudden death in June of 2009, his autopsy report confirmed that Jackson's hairline was permanently tattooed and that the singer wore a hairpiece attached to his natural hair. His autopsy referred to the singer's hair as sparse and that the majority of it was concentrated below the crown of his head. Thanks for watching. One thing I realized while researching this video is that Michael Jackson never once experimented with color when it came to his hair or hairpiece. What other hair looks would you have liked Michael Jackson to try out? And what hairstyle do you think he would be wearing if he was young today? Thanks again to NordVPN for sponsoring this video. Go to NordVPN.com to get a two-year plan plus four additional months with a huge discount. Very interesting. I wonder what Michael probably would have worn a... Uh, he would have probably still have worn a weave, but he wouldn't have worn it like that Jerry Curl.
he might award like a I don't know, man. That's I don't know. I might have to cut this short because my computer is tripping. It's tripping, it's straight tripping. I don't know. Maybe they don't want me to play Michael Jackson stuff. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, I don't want to have to cut it short. Let me try one more time. Yeah, my internet is tripping. It's hecka slow. Straight Slizzo. Anyway, y'all heard they fired Erica Mena from Love and Hip Hop. Did y'all hear about that? Well, she's not really fired, but she's suspended. But she called Spice a monkey. A blue haired monkey. You know, she was wrong for that. She was straight wrong, but she is trending now, I think. Let me see if I can get this internet to treat me right. Treat me right. Uh, uh. Treat me right. Yeah, I'm hella tired. You know, we had like a three-day weekend, so I just spent a lot of today cleaning up. Let's see. No, I had picked some good ones, man. I saved them to my watch later. But that didn't work. So be patient. I'm just finding the ones I had. I had watched earlier. I was saving for the show. Here we go. Let's see. Let's go right here. Oh, let me put it on the screen, duh. Let me put it on the screen. What up, y'all? Y'all at work tonight? Is it storming where y'all at? It's storming where we at. It's got a hazard cracking. Have you seen my child? Lord, they're going to ding me for all this. It's worth it. All rights reserved. This is his actual not play there. I am not trying to get dinged for playing Michael Jackson music. I don't know why my internet is. Well, it's the storm, I'm pretty sure, but. You know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. 
I was not trying to play Have You Seen My Childhood. Have you seen my childhood? Let's see. Let's scroll down. Let's see. Let's check this one out. Let me put it on the screen. Let's watch. This one should be interesting. Check this one out, y'all. I'll be trying to pick interesting ones. There's so many. Detail. Governor Vis. Detail magazine. This the little lying ass kid. This the kid that like lied. His parent, his mama made him lie. He lied. Watch this. Gavin Aviso first became known to the public in Martin Bashir's 2003 documentary, Living with Michael Jackson. In one extraordinary scene, the pop star is seen holding hands with a 13-year-old Gavin, a former cancer sufferer who spent a lot of time at Jackson's Neverland Ranch. When challenged by Bashir about his admission to sleeping in the same room, and sometimes in the same bed as children unrelated to him, Michael Jackson professed, quote, it's not sexual. We're going to sleep. I tuck them in. It's very charming. It's very sweet. As a result of this, the controversial documentary caused an intense public scandal against Jackson, reigniting speculations over allegations that were made a decade before. With many in the public eye disgusted by Michael Jackson's casual admission to dangerously inappropriate behavior with minors, leaving the children involved and himself vulnerable to lurid assumptions by the worldwide press. In just a few months, Gavin Aviso would make his own allegations against Michael Jackson, and in November 2003, the King of Pop was charged with partaking in lewd and salacious acts against a child under the age of 14. What followed was the infamous court case turned media circus in which Gavin and his younger brother testified that Jackson showed them, gave them alcohol, sit in front of them, and then Gavin on several occasions. However, Jackson was cleared of all charges in the criminal trial, causing the Arviso family's legal action against the pop star to fall apart as a result. But what happened to the then 15-year-old boy after he was the center of the biggest court case of the century. Did his time in the limelight cause Gavin to spiral out of control? Or has the now 32-year-old man been able to rebuild his life in the shadows of the international scandal? Here's the detail. In the immediate aftermath of the high-profile criminal trial, it was proven that Gavin Aviso's mother, Janet Arviso, had committed welfare fraud as a direct result of the legal investigations. This was committed after she collected $18,782 in welfare payments, claiming that she was destitute while failing to disclose the fact that she had gotten a $152,500 settlement from JCPenney, a settlement she received based on a fraudulent claim that also came to light during the trial and that she had $30,000 in her bank account. Therefore, on August 23rd, 2005, only a little more than two months after Jackson's acquittal, Janet Aviso was charged with five counts of welfare fraud and perjury. 
The mother of three pleaded no contest and was eventually ordered to pay a fine and do community service time. After she complied with it, her felony judgment was reduced to a misdemeanor in 2007. Once all the Arvizos court proceedings ended, the family decided to rebuild their life away from California and relocated to the state of Georgia. It was here that Gavin went to Georgia Military College and after graduating, enrolled in Emory University in Atlanta, studying a double major in history and philosophy. It has been said that during this time, Gavin worked two to three jobs at a time in restaurants and landscaping, won partial scholarships to attend, made the honour roll, participated in moot court, was president of the student union, and still found time to volunteer at his local church. It was at this time that Gavin started dating trainee schoolteacher Shelby Lynn Drake. According to her Facebook timeline, the couple got engaged on April 7th, 2013 and planned their wedding to take place at the Bride Suburban Atlanta Baptist Church on Saturday, November the 30th. Her father, Bill Drake, was an ordained minister and a well-known Christian musician and singer. Drake, along with Catholic priest Kevin Hogagan, performed their wedding ceremony with the intention that going forward, the Catholic Gavin Aviso would worship in both churches. Gavin is a lifelong friend of mine. I was at his wedding and he was at mine said Louise Palanca, an Aviso family friend and legal witness during the Jackson court proceedings, who shortly after married the trial's prosecutor, Ron Zonan. Palanca reported that a vicious Jackson fan discovered Gavin was about to get married to a preacher's daughter and urged other fans to inundate the church with menacing calls questioning Gavin's integrity. How many guests in the church that knew about Gavin's background is unknown, Palanca said that Gavin's family was in attendance and she had no issues with his mother, Janet, who through marriage eventually became the same name as Michael Jackson's sister, Janet Jackson, after marrying a man named Army Lieutenant Colonel J. Jackson. At the wedding reception, it was reported that an unknowing DJ played a Michael Jackson song, The Way You Make Me Feel, which as a response, Gavin just smiled Randley shrugged his shoulders and went back to celebrating his and his bride's big day. Uh. Most people have no clue that in 2020. All right, reserve. Y'all are being very cool and very patient. The internet is tripping. The internet is tripping, y'all. Ask for the, the energy of Michael Jackson to help us get through it without any problems. Getting married. Gavin supposedly had all the intentions to go to law school. Having remained friendly with those that assisted him during the Michael Jackson trial, former Santa Barbara senior district attorneys, Ron Zoan and Thomas Snedden, who presumably would have opened doors to the former accuser and set him up for a high-powered career in the legal field. In 2013, the Daily Beast said that he was working as a paralegal, preparing to take the LSAT test and applying to more than a dozen law schools. His dream was to go to Harvard. Quote, he works in sales right now, He's been a teacher in a Catholic school for a while. 
said wedding guest Louise Palanca, quote, he's very interested in business and also in law school, but they would like to start a family. Although it's unclear whether he made it into law school, Gavin Aviso reportedly has never addressed the allegations publicly again, believing a man's actions speak for themselves. The only time he is forthcoming about the infamous trial is when applying for jobs, as he knows potential employers will probably Google his name. So as the interviewer comes to a close, Gavin would interject, quote, there is something I would like to tell you, and reveals information about the time when his life collided with that of Michael Jackson's. The same year as Arvizo's wedding was also the same year that dancer and choreographer, Wade Robson, who stood up in court and professed that the singer did not abuse him as a child, undermining Arvizo's accusations, came out publicly with his own historic allegations against Michael Jackson. Robson, who later became one of the two men in Leaving Neverland, contends in the documentary that Jackson told him to lie as part of the trial, and so he did. The Dan Reed film caused widespread controversy and burst wide open speculation over Michael Jackson's past allegations against children. Louise Palanca once again spoke to the press, saying that the HBO documentary, Leaving Neverland, was monumentally important because it clearly laid out the seduction of children and the family. Quote, it's so important that people watch this film so that they understand how this happened, she said, quote, and it happened on a grand scale. At the same time as stating the importance of the film, Palanca also confirmed Gavin's eagerness to remain uninvolved. Quote, he doesn't really want to talk about it right now, Palanca said. Quote, he just wants to become a man and have a family and a career and not have this be the standout portion of who he is. He doesn't like it when Michael Jackson comes up in the news. Reporting that he has avoided countless requests for interviews and the money that no doubt would come from speaking. The director of Leaving Neverland, Dan Reed, told a British website, iNews, that he tried to contact Arvizo while filming, but he never heard back. Quote, I wrote Gavin a very long and carefully worded letter. I'm still very much hoping to hear from him, but he never replied. I did a little bit of slewing to try and find him, but decided not to push it any further, as it appears that he wants to stay hidden for now. Today, Gavin Avizo lives with his wife, school teacher Shelby, a quiet life, far from the speculation and media turmoil that surrounded him all those years ago. Not much of a social media user, glimpses of the life he leads can now only be viewed through the numerous clips and images his wife posts on her numerous platforms. Wake up, achievers. This is a next level bed. As a sleep number.com, the shop. Oh, my internet. Ah, I'm so annoyed. Y'all are being so patient. Thank you. Internet is tripping. It's the internet. I might have to cut it short and just do a part two. Because the net is tripping, y'all. I can't. So uh, I'm going to cut it short and I'm going to just do it like a, 
MJ part two and three. Like I'll do a part two tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I'll probably do that in the morning though, when it's not so stormy weather. Anyways, I hope y'all have a good evening, man. I can't even get my Michael Jackson. What's up with y'all, man? How y'all feel about Erica Mina getting taken off Love and Hip Hop? Do y'all care about that? <laughs> That's a whole nother side note. Anybody care? Okay. Well, anyway, I'm going to cut this short. Go to detail, the detail on YouTube. They have all these amazing Michael Jackson videos. They're really fucking incredible. Um, thank you, Detail. All rights reserved. It was for entertainment and educational purposes. I have forgotten how Michael Jackson's face had actually looked, you know. And he was a very pretty man. He was very masculine still. He wasn't very feminine as people always tried to play, you know. But anyways, I'm going to try it again tomorrow. So tune, stay tuned, all right, for part two.